0: Hey, this is Giannis Mavitar. Avatar. This is being recorded on Father's Day. And if you ever wondered who's your daddy, he's right here on Talk To Me.
1: What is up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talk To Me. This is episode 258. The guest this week is Johannes from Avatar. And if you wonder why I did not say his last name, I will save that to the end. There is a great clip of him and I talking about the, the exact pronunciation of his name. So yes, he is Johannes from Avatar and he is on the Talk To Me podcast this week. They have a fantastic new album coming out August 7th on E1 Entertainment entitled Hunter Gatherer. And you can check out the latest single, Silence in the Age of the Apes, crossed over a million views in just 24 hours on YouTube. How cool is that? But it's a nice long chat. Johannes gave me a lot of his time. So I will not take too much of your time at the beginning here. I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you that's reached out. Got a Talk To Me t-shirt from me. If you want a Talk To Me t-shirt, the nice pizza skull headphones design that we had made up here at the Talk To Me compound. Just reach out, slide up in those DMs. 20 bucks shipped in the U.S. I have shipped some to Canada. And uh, I do appreciate my friend's from the great white north up in Canada, rocking some Talk To Me Tees and everyone else that's gotten them throughout the country. But this interview was a lot of fun. Johannes was down to talk. No language barrier. He was over in Finland. We did this on Sunday morning, Father's Day morning, as you heard at the beginning here. And this was a fun chat. We talk about the new album, talk about what Corey Taylor did on the new album, which I think is fantastic. And go a little bit. We know we don't touch on the coronavirus too much. Talked a little bit, a couple minutes. If you don't want to hear coronavirus talk, skip about five minutes into the interview. I think that's when we, uh, we get over ourselves on the COVID-19 talk. But this was a fun chat, so let's check out some classic Avatar, talk to Johannes, listen to some new Avatar. I will talk to you guys momentarily. Johannes from Avatar on the line, man. How are you doing today? How are you doing over in uh, Sweden?
0: I am actually in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, my colleagues, uh, I lived here since a couple of years. Oh, nice. More than a couple, actually now. But, uh, but yeah, I'm. Thank you. I'm doing good. It's uh, been both here and in Sweden. It's a midsummer's uh, weekend right now. Meaning, it was midsummer's Eve uh, this past. Uh, the two days ago, a midsummer stay yesterday, so taking it slow today. But it's all good, very sunny, very hot. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, man. So all of my Swedish coronavirus research I did this morning is is out the door, so...
0: (laughs) I am still, well, I'm still kind of uh, interested in that as well, you know, because 90% of everyone I know and care about still live there. And I go there quite regularly for obvious reasons, except right now, obviously, because we can't. It's actually, it's actually crazy, like, Sweden's uh, approach to this. Like, I'm not in a position to comment on it as if I knew anything about it. But more people have gotten sick in Sweden. More people have died in Sweden compared to Finland, for instance, or any other northern European country. And here in Finland, for instance, they started to... Uh, opening up the borders now uh, removing border controls to you know uh, other neighboring countries meaning like Norway and Denmark well that's across the sea but still neighbor country and uh, Estonia and stuff but Sweden they are not ready to remove border controls for yet
1: well, that's what I was looking at this morning was all of the you know they really didn't go into a lockdown they continued to have school for the kids you know they 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 kind of bucked the trend of almost the entire world and from what you know my 10 minute research this morning kind of showed that they uh they may have been fine at the beginning but i think it might be catching up to them
0: yeah a bunch of things have happened and you know and it's always a question that will be for all of us in any country where we will see on what levels did we succeed or fail you know because so many are disproportionate uh uh, portion of uh, the deaths had happened in the, I guess it would translate in U.S. <laughs> administrative system to a county. Mm-hmm. But it says uh, county sounds too small for like a region of Sweden uh, where Stockholm is and, and elderly homes that it was specifically yeah. somehow that threshold, that that, you know, wall uh, wasn't, kept up we failed to protect people there and so there are those specific things and i don't know what i don't like right now is the politics around it because of course and not all of the leaders of the opposition but a select few uh are very kept in hindsight about it now where i'm like oh you're opportunist fuck i'm so glad you weren't (laughs) prime minister during this like Because then we would all be dead. Because you are one of the parties that is controlling that region. Like health service in Sweden is 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 not on a well federal level or what you would call it. Uh, It's a regional thing, and uh, where the biggest failures in healthcare with protective gear and uh, educated personnel all that happened to be then in regions where her party was in charge or part of a coalition of those in charge. So, I don't know. It's uh, People playing the blame game right now, I don't quite like.
1: Yeah, it's been, a, It's. I mean, very similar to what's going on here. I mean, I think they said like, you know, about to, uh, 90% of cases are in old folks' homes or, you know, for the elderly and, and it's just running mm. rampant there. But, you know, I think if you're young and healthy and you have a, a good immune system, you know I th- I think you're good to go. I mean it's, it's the 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 projected numbers of cases of you know we were supposed to have 2 million dead and I think we're you know only and I say only in a in a in a nice way of uh you know right around 100 to 200,000. So it's it's the the original estimates were through the roof and you know you thought every other person that you saw was going to pass and now it's yeah, you know pretty
0: also you also did something about it. You also like uh- I don't know, people did shut down. People are sitting home, more. that did happen. And I, I, it's, I guess it would be hard to deny that that didn't have anything to do about it. But uh, then it's the question, like, if, are we just, you know, waiting out the inevitable? Or, well, I guess ultimately what one can hope for, and again, I speak as a layman on this completely, Me too. obviously, <laughs> but it seems like what we are hoping for is that this will cause as little tragedy and suffering as possible while figuring out how to actually beat it, meaning, you know, a vaccine.
1: Absolutely. 100% hundred percent agree with that. And uh,
0: Well, it's not a controversial uh, opinion, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we don't I want hope, people to hope, die. I, hope, I, hope, <laughs> I want people to be helped,
1: you know. It's like supporting the troops. Yeah, you support the troops. You know? <laughs> it's not a controversial
0: well, uh, well, uh, you could I mean, be, uh, you could uh, be uh,
1: against war, but you still support the troops. You know, that old Yeah, but
0: exactly. I don't, I don't want people to get shot in right. the head. That, is, that shouldn't be a political controversial thing in, in any country.
1: Well, good, man. Well, we spent uh, a few minutes on the coronavirus that seems to be uh, prevalent and everything. But, you know, you've got a great new album out uh, coming out August 7th on E1 called Hunter Gatherer. And I've listened to it through a few times, man. It sounds awesome. There's so many, so there's a few songs I want to talk to you about specifically and, uh, and get into some of the new stuff, man. And I just want to ask, like, when you, you know, when you guys write a record, are you guys writing in the vein of, we're going to play this live, this is going to look awesome with some fire and some theatrics, or are you guys, like, truly crafting songs that you will put a stage show to later?
0: I think those two approaches have molded together in that we used to. At some point, it was really, I guess, a thought experiment many years ago. Were really some beats of some, but long before we were able to have uh, when when pyro was out of the question, we. Uh, so the dream was pyro. Then you were kind of write in pyro, <laughs> one, two, three, four, boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or at least array maybe not write, but arrange in pyro, so to speak. Uh, but uh, uh, now I think it has kind of molded together that the song crafting and imagining what it will be part of in a later stage is boils down to with all the technology available and all the technology that we use uh, uh, you know and as layered as our, our productions are with samples and synthesizers uh, and uh, my vocals on 16 channels all at once sometimes you know all this crazy stuff the foundation of the song is always a five piece band uh, the rehearse room version of the song needs to be uh, on point so that, that kind of lays the group <clears throat> that is the basic ideal for what we're going for and a song that feels great in rehearse room supposedly should have, and that means something deeply to us should, you know, that should translate live. I think that distinction might be something we, you know, something we have come to discover with, although I don't think we ever spoke about it like that. It's, uh, I don't th- like, it's not really mutually exclusive or, you know, well, that that all goes together. What makes you know heavy guitar music great? It makes you want to move your feet. It makes you want to be in a place and where you participate and go wild and whatever. And but still, it's it's also something that should be um, something you hear in your teenage bedroom on your headphones uh, in the middle of the night. Like it it has to be all of the above, I guess.
1: Yeah, just driving around having it in the car. It it, it just so many times just invoked uh, a, a thought of, you know, what you guys could do live. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those, like, this album <laughs> sounds huge. And, uh, you know, speaking to the song Colossus, you know, I can't wait to see that live. I mean, I, I, that almost has to be half the tour budget right there just in that one song because it just sounds so huge and monstrous.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tour budget. Uh, <laughs> You're right. I think I've got a, it's it's uh, – it will definitely be an interesting one to to nail live because yeah we I guess it's a we definitely overthink aspects of our lives it's by choice because it's really that that a strange question in a way but uh, that makes all the sense in the world for any band to ask oneself is what does our music look like and uh, and that one I guess will be interesting because on one end, it has that, well, the riff, and it's all about the riffs and what that does to you ultimately. But it's also very dark and suggestive and laid back. And and, uh, in terms of, uh, for a theatrical band like us, when it's so, the verses, I guess I could call them maybe threatening, but there's still (laughs) a laid back aspect to how I sing it. So it will be interesting.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun once this this gets out there on the road. And the the other song was a, a, a secret door, which on the wiki says Corey Taylor is on, but I didn't. It, it's not overt what he did on that. So where is he in the song? And uh, and and if he is on the song, how did that come about?
0: You tell me that you don't recognize the whistling
1: sound. You know the, what I was going to say,
0: <laughs> If
1: that's if that's what he did on the song, that is absolute genius.
0: We That kind of gang vocal, sing-along melody in the end, that's him and I together as well. But, so, you know, basically what happened is that we have popped up on uh, his radar in in different ways that led up to this. Uh, He has worked with the same producer multiple times now, Jay Rustin, and uh, his wife uh, is into us, and that, I guess, helped turn him on to us and we have of course open for Slipknot so and actually a billion years ago we also opened for Stone Sour but in more recent days uh we opened uh for Slipknot last year actually and he uh, so he was in touch with Jay as buddy it. hey how are things going and anything? and turns out they got we're going to be in town while we were recording and he would love to come come by the studio and hear some things and also said like I'm all open for doing something, laying down some track on something if the guys are into that. Um, Very open-ended and nice thing to offer. And the first thing that came to my mind was in one of the early episodes of South Park, uh, or in those early seasons when they would have really, really famous people, but let them have really <laughs> minuscule parts. Yep. I think Jelena Jay, Jay was a cat. If I remember,
1: I think it was, and uh, wasn't George Clooney, a dog. I think that's what, exactly. one of, yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think <laughs>
0: if I remember like Jerry Seinfeld or his agent or something, turned down him being Turkey number two.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Something along those lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, that immediately oh yeah this this man who became one of those voices of a generation one of those that when we were teenagers getting turned on to heavy music they were one of the contemporary bands because we were all quite old school and most that we liked but they were was you know they opened my mind to a whole bunch of things and therefore they are this icon iconic masters he's an icon of our generation yeah he can whistle fuck it
1: <laughs> what was his uh his, his thought behind what hang on what was his reaction to that you know asking just that's it sounds like something he would do, do. uh yeah it sounds like something he would do and get the joke so that's awesome
0: yeah it was a no-brainer and then also of course this is well, i guess i i can talk about it because this we will not end up doing because this album and you know considering what we just did just before this one it was very important for us not to have it be humorous at all really uh but this was too good to pass on but therefore this is music video idea that will not happen but i I can see it so crisp in front of me and how have him in a feature of um, a secret or music video walking into the To a studio building, you know, all in slow motion, saying hi and hug and laugh. And he stands in front of the microphone and, uh, you know, sunglasses on, of course, you know, putting on the headphones and bam, just like that, Grand Canyon, whistling (laughs) in the wind. And then, bam, next thing when his song gets going, he would uh, just walk out of the studio and you go to the rest of the music video. And, uh, you know, we're not doing that, but it's funny. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's great man that's uh yeah I have a whole new respect for both you and uh, Corey Taylor because I was listening to it again today and I was trying to pick him out and I'm like man if he's doing that whistling that's just pure genius
0: Then here's the thing in all the, uh, there's also the fun, a funny thing about it he is I whistled on the demo for the song uh, he whistles he, he's a better whistler <laughs> so it actually helped and he also um so we we're like hur, 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 you're gonna whistle oh, that's funny and stuff he goes into the to to the booth and of course then it's serious <laughs> he took it very seriously as did we recording him you know there was no giggles at that time and there were that was more than one take to really nail it uh, and all that because once you're once you're in there whatever i guess even if you want to record fart noises you still want it to be the best fart noises but uh, you can't help yourself in the studio to want to do a good job with whatever you're doing.
1: Yeah, and people take whistling seriously, so uh, so yeah, I'm glad he took it serious and and you know did his did his thing because you know there's there's some people that get out there and they you know you hear a whistle and you're like wow I can't believe they whistle like that. The one thing I wish I could do was like you know where you put your pinkies in your mouth and like whistle roll, roll out. I can't, I've never been able to do that, but I'll have to. Maybe you'll get that on the next album. <laughs> yeah and you'll <laughs> let me know if you if you learn it by then yeah absolutely uh so i'm I'm assuming all of this was recorded late last year uh you know, getting all this done before all of the uh-huh. pandemic started, so now that the you know you're trying to attempt to release a record during a worldwide pandemic, you know what are the things that you guys are looking to do? Uh, you know, to to get to the fans, you know, videos and live streaming and all that stuff. You know, what are your uh, what are your ideas, uh, you know, around the release?
0: Well, our position right now uh, up in like how we feel right now, maybe we change our mind in three months. Who knows? But we are we are not fans of the idea for us to do live streamed concert out of it because a uh, show for me if i don't if my face isn't at some point during the evening bird in another man's armpits <laughs> and, and if i can't see the steam coming off someone's uh Dimi borgir t-shirt you know if i if, if there isn't spilt beer if it you know there are so many just uh sensory factors to what makes a show what it really is and that communication between us and the audience that has to be in that moment that a live stream concert cannot be that and you know one thing is to stream a show where there is an audience and other people can watch it from different places of the world or raise a concert film like that that's because that still tells a story and documents one of those moments but this would just i don't know it's how to approach it how to approach like the theatrical thing we do like it's as we it's theatrical but we're not actors we're reactors it's closer to pro wrestling and uh uh, to me in, in that sense and and i have stopped watching that now as well when they can't have an audience in there because then it's without without that it's it's pretty much pointless to me but in its place then yeah of course music videos one is out one is on its way a third one it's uh and it's planning stage and uh, and we are being very very creative about how to include me in awesome ways although i might not be able to go to see the guys in order to pull it off um but those kind of things are happening and we are also We've done Q&A live streams. We've done. I had a watch once we hit hit one million with Silence and Age of Apes. We uh, on YouTube. Uh, I did a watch along, watch uh, live streaming as I was watching all of our music videos since since we were teenagers uh, with and commenting and telling stories. So we want to be those kind of things. Uh, the internet and being in different parts of the world and connecting. I feel it works great for that. There there's magic. I'd rather, i rather invite people into my living room and create a moment like that with them in a, in a live streaming manner rather than doing the, you know, a musical performance. I'd rather save that until, because we, we are sure we will be on the road again. We will be on stage again. And let that matter even more, and have the first time we actually perform this music outside of a studio rehearsal room uh, together from people. Make that, make sure that it that the, that the we do the music and all the ideas around the music justice.
1: Now, kind of going back into the history of Avatar, the the one thing that jumped right out at me when I was kind of doing my my research on you guys was that the band has been around since around 2001. I think you joined in 2002, but really Avatar and my radar kind of popped up maybe in the last five years. So, Uh you know, when did you start to focus on the States? And like, when was the first time you came over? You know, when was the time that you guys said, Hey, we really need to, you know, we've, we've done all we can over here. Now we need to conquer the States. You know, when did that start taking place?
0: Well, it, it didn't actually happen like that. Like we, we did a one off thing in 2008 that didn't lead to anything. And our first album that was even released in the States, uh, through a licensing deal with our, at the time, Swedish label to E1 was, uh, in, uh, Black Waltz. So the, um, so we, and as soon as we got to do that and we started to work with our, management with whom we are still with today we it took off pretty quickly um we um like with their help we started to get to hit the road pretty fast and you know we i mean we we didn't i'm not beyonce but you know we took off fairly <laughs> right. fast and, uh it took off it started to, to move fairly quickly out of that. And it's been growing ever since. But, uh, thing is also, we are, we have this long history because usually what happens uh, with many other people that aren't, I would say Metallica maybe is that you have a band and then, then you have another band and that band gets signed, you know, you have your practice round, you have your, right. I don't know. You have your puppy love, uh, girlfriend you know you have <laughs> right, right. that early the early round of things that gives you the experience and the focus and the, the just the lessons to me and, the, and you really also need to weed out the people who just wanted to be you know thought they wanted to be in a band when they were teenagers and then as a matter of fact they didn't i know i can't come to that show i'm watching the cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you had to but we found each other very early and stuck together for the most of it like like i said like john and jonas met in yeah 2001 i guess and i joined the year after and henry came the year after and us plus one more guy simon we were this then because the, the avatar as a name as something who tried to learn three songs existed existed for a while but a solid oh here we are now and let's record a demo with original material that didn't happen until we were the lineup that then stayed together until, up until black walls when simon left and tim joined us um who we anyway had known since m- many years before that but uh so we really yeah we really grew up and learned to be a metal band together and and we had again we had this thing in europe where we were a little bit hyped as young and promising and good players for our age and have self-financed our first album that we recorded a very short time um that's still i find fairly impressive still to this date with the you know budget and ability we had that we pulled off this stuff we did in the early days um that being said, we were learning on the fly, and we kept on being Avatar through it all, through a lot of changes. Because the reasons you want to be in a band, and the reasons you're writing, and what you want to achieve with it, it changes ever so slightly. It's a long going process through the years. That of course, uh, and that cannot change the content of the music in a way where I think it's quite natural. If you again consider that the band was started by. 14 and a 15 year old and i was 16 when i joined and then just in our early 20s of course a lot of intentions and perspective has changed drastically and keeps doing it to this day
1: how do you feel that's maybe helped you and uh you know the fact that you're eight albums in and let's see if you were 16 and you know when you're you're in your early 30s you know now doing the you know doing Doing things that bands that are, you know, some bands are just now getting signed in their 30s. You know, you've had an mm-hmm. entire career and you now are in your 30s. So, I mean, what do you, do you feel like that's been an, an advantage for you to, uh, to, to kind of learn on the, basically learn on the job as you go? Or, you know, do you kind of mm-hmm. wish it was the other way around?
0: Uh, at the end of the day, I do absolutely not wish it. But if it was, for instance, so many things cha- changed around the time of Black Walls. And we could tell that it was very special, and we could tell especially in the states in North America, because there we were new, so people saw only that for what it was but because we had had our you know initial early hype, but then kind of fumbled with it the, the ball a couple of times and uh, in terms of well what we did as performers and songwriters, but also what we you know who we worked with in particular. That meant we had to reteach Europe that Avatar was something uh, worth uh, paying attention to, and there was kind of detriment uh, for a while that we were this band that you know we did something promising right at the beginning and then maybe not so much uh, came out of it. So, but now we, we're all caught up in. Uh, with uh with it and the, the thing is ultimately the cruel cool thing the thing i take with me no matter what else happens in life with this band is the fact that i have this strange polygamous uh marriage with four under uh, four other to my knowledge heterosexual men that where we um, and that journey includes all the ups and downs and like being a different band in my third like having if we I ever would have started fresh with uh, somebody else just to have you know that initial oh here's a new thing we it would have been you know at the cost of everything we have done together as a group so so i wouldn't want to have it any other way and again ultimately yes it has. i like it also i, I am in hindsight i'm grateful that Uh, The modest success we're having today took a while because if you look at people who get very successful young if even again like i'm not beyonce but even even on this level we are at if i would have gotten this when i was because i was 19 when the first (laughs) album came out it would have it's not good for you i really don't think i think it would be very hard to handle and process and maintain healthy relationships with people in your life and a and you know who has a healthy self image but it would have been even worse if, if that would have happened because you're being told a lot of nice things by people that don't know you uh which is nice but you have to balance that with some kind of sense of self for it to not do ultimately harm to you i think uh as well as those people uh, you know Aside from that that's very pleasant bubble of people saying very, and very nice things about you, you have also people who, again, don't know you, who might be very, very opinion, opinionated about you for but thinking that all you do is shit and that they hate you without knowing you. I don't see a lot of that, but I know that enough of that is out there for where that also would have messed with me. So I'm, I'm grateful that it's, that it's been a slow burner. Because we're in it for the long run, anyway.
1: There you go. The one, uh, one other thing before we kind of start wrapping it up, uh, you know, just looking through the history of Avatar, you went to Thailand to record "Hail the Apocalypse." Uh, you yeah. know, Thailand is not on the on the uh, a lot of people's top list to go record. Um, you know, how are the studios there, and uh, what took you guys to Thailand to record?
0: Uh, our producer at the time, he got divorced and moved there. <laughs> so we had a meeting in his apartment uh you know prior not many months before we it was time to actually start recording just listening to demos and sharing ideas and all that taking notes it's like so yeah anyway i'll be moving to thailand very soon so we're going to record there and okay so it was because of that but you know doing some math just how economics works in the world that yeah you have to pay some plane tickets and things but because of the different prices and stuff it would cost roughly the same as being in sweden and doing it closer to home so that part of it worked and the studio karma studios in uh, i want to say it's called bang sarai but that might be me swedish chefing it completely <laughs> but uh, uh, it's called karma studios and you know jeremy require had been there and oh nice I think, um, oh, I think as I lay dying, that might be completely wrong, but I definitely some other metal band of uh, some renown was, has definitely been there as well. So, like, they, they had a little nice collection of people have been there. And the place was great. It was basically, uh, you know, it was a gated mansion. You know, they have, a, it was basically slept in very nice hotel rooms, it was a pool kitchen personnel and a really 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 nice studio and all who worked there the engineers the and then the people running the actual business of it and the people in the kitchen everything they were really really nice and cool and accommodating and fun to be around so that was all great well, th- that was the first part of it then we went to the producer's uh, uh, house that he rented and that was more in the Tourist trap, overly exploited, uh, messed up um, <laughs> parts. <laughs> of, you know, right? Uh, the la la, la land uh, that is created for the us foreigners, and there we saw sides of what happens to that country that was less pleasing. You know, and uh, but yeah, mainly spent. The food was great, though. We mainly spent time then in his house and tracked whatever we didn't track in the studio there because most of the album like this one was recorded live. Then we just had the solos and clean guitar overdubs and vocals and my trombone solo to do in that house.
1: Yeah. You can never forget the trombone solo. So you got to make sure to get that in.
0: Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's a given on in any, in
1: any serious metal bands repertoire Oh yeah, you gotta bring in all the horns. you know, as many horns as you can get, that'll get the uh you know, actually horns actually do make a very nice tone. I do enjoy like, you know, yeah. if you can get those in the in the uh underlying tones of a metal album, you probably do do well with yourself. Um Yeah,
0: that's actually my big dream. Like uh all everyone seems to end up doing, you know, I guess since Metallica since then, but everyone does a symphonic uh, version of their s- songs. Um, for a concert you know kiss metallica all the european symphonic metal bands obviously i would love to work with a big band uh with you know horn sections and nice. all, all that instead that seems to be a no i can't think of any metal band host on it like that yet
1: yeah i can't think i mean i think there was like richard cheese did like kind of a lounge act kind of thing um, yeah but that's
0: another thing right yeah you, yeah. Want, you know you still wanted it to be again like those those metal bands and rock bands who then add um, blend it with a symphonic or symphonic orchestra but to do it with something when you you know working with big band you come from it's you know based in jazz instead so there's a groove and a drive and an idea of a beat and you know all those things where the marriage should be even more organic in my mind uh, than than with a symphonic orchestra there's you know, it adds layers and richness in tone, and what you can do with, with the themes and drama, of course. But the whole boom, pa boom, ba, boom, ba, boom, ba, boom ba, You know, that in a big band would that's that would be very interesting to blend it with.
1: Yeah, and you know it throws me it throws uh, it throws me off about all of those old big band you know albums and things like that. It's just this the actual recordings of those albums. You know, you got to think of the primitive gear they were using and. You know, they would mm. all just stand around one microphone, and if the guy did have a trombone solo, he would move forward, and then he would go back into the yeah. pack. You know, it's just it's just so amazing how 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 producers back then got you know e- e- such cool sounds, you know, for such it primitive gear. Better, like, yeah,
0: so much of the stuff we have today, like yeah, I've been uh, listening to uh, lately or recently, I should say, I've been listening a lots and lots to Glenn Miller, for instance. And that's old, you know, but it's, yeah, there's something to it and all the different moods that come across on a primitive recording like that because of the competence of the orchestra.
1: Well, yeah, because they're not replacing sounds. Like, oh, well, that trumpet sound sounds good, but yeah, we're actually exactly. going to go grab a Lamb of God's trumpet sound and put that on there, you know? <laughs> like, exactly. It's, yeah. so.
0: you. There you circled me back to the fact, again, that we recorded live, we did not sound replace. we did not auto-tune, we did not, you know, we barely used metronomes, all of that, you know, which comes from stuff like, of course, the old the old greats in, you know, in heavy music, like, everything that we still listen to from the seventies because it's still awesome. And then we have when things, when this modern era of recording started to happen, it seems like things that could have been so much better became due to production more forgettable because it became became more, it became more standardized, uh, things that didn't, if you just would have let the bands sound the way the band sounded, you were just by accident. Had a more, way richer plethora of of sounds without having to overthink it at all. Um, so the inspiration comes from stuff like that, and then further back, you listen to Little Richard, listen to uh, that. That makes me want to mosh and all uh, big like mm, that's how to, that, that's how you're supposed to record.
1: Well, speaking of your latest record, Hunter Gatherer, like we said earlier, will be out August seventh on E One. What's just the the kind of the general message you want to get out about this album?
0: Well, if you if we talk first and foremost, maybe the pure aesthetics of it, what kind of, like, as a, it's our darkest and heaviest album, if not ever, then definitely in a long, long time. And I, it's, and the darkness comes in a way, there was an, I was interviewed by a guy who was like, it's not so dark, I like doom metal. Yeah, it's not a doom metal album, but it's, (laughs) I guess the darkness comes in the shape of, Aggression more than anything it's our most aggressive album, maybe ever and may, maybe since those young enthusiastic teenagers beating the crap out of our instruments, we are now old and bitter and hitting even harder and uh, <laughs> uh, so you're in for a ride in that sense, and it's our because of again the nature of this production stuff is I also argue it's our grooviest even when it's fast and intense. And uh I think it's might be also one some of our most well articulated work. And uh it's very it's just very important to us what we did there. And I think that sense of urgency, that importance, uh I think you can hear it. Yeah,
1: you know, one thing I, I did I went through the comment section on the silence in the age of the apes video on YouTube and just kind of getting the reaction of the fans and 99% of the reaction is, this is the heaviest stuff, this is the best stuff, this is old form, this is, you know, like so many people Mm -hmm. excited about the new album and uh, that's always gotta be a good feeling.
0: Yeah, it is, like, because we had, we all, us and the fans, we all had a great time together doing the Avatar Country thing. And that was, you know, our trip into doing humor, basically wanted to try, hey, this makes us laugh, let's record it. And at the same time, write this love letter to classic heavy metal, the way it, you know, the stuff that made us stop cutting our hair uh, when we were young, you know. Uh, And this kind of humorous, lighthearted, playful heavy metal tribute album that then spilled over to this weird theatrical experiment where we stayed in character for a year and fans started to dress up, provide, you know, stayed in character with us. It was all funny, awesome at the time, and really became of this magical story about our relationship to our fans. But this now, I think we were all more than ready to move on to something like this.
1: You know, It's funny talking about you staying in character for all that. Uh, I think 2016, I, you guys did Louder Than Life here, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and I was in the media tent, but I didn't have an interview with you guys but when you guys showed up, like you could tell a presence was there and like everyone's just like turning heads. I mean, you're in are you're, you're, I believe you had probably just gotten off stage. So you're still in full, yeah. you know, full gear and and, uh, you know, talking to everybody, taking yeah, that, photos.
0: That was that was a festival when we were out on the back of a Jagermeister truck or something. Right. Uh, that was a first. That was, yeah. That must have been that one. 2016. I guess that was a first significant festival in the United States if I remember I and yeah, it, it rained during our set, but we still broke a, a audience record up at the time for that stage.
1: Yeah, that was uh that was, that was crazy though. But yeah, man, staying in character, like you said, and just being around and, you know, I'll, I'll, I can still see it in my head, you know, you guys showing up cause you know, you get everybody else in their sweatpants and their, you know, old t-shirt and then you guys walk in. I mean, there's always, there's gotta be something said about being in character, being, you know, theatrical and just, just, being, you know, bigger than life, you know, that whole thing. So that's always uh, – people love it.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It's also a balanced question, though, because it's weird. We talk about staying in character, which was definitely true for Avatar Country. But at the same time, I don't have any character to play. It's, it's weird. It's, uh, it's not um, – again, it's not acting. It's really – I don't have a stage name. None of us do. And I don't feel – I feel different on stage, of course, in a different mood and different mindset, but I don't feel like I'm turning into someone else. But that is what I'm being told that I'm doing. That is how people perceive it and also people close to me, like that I transform to something. And I don't fully understand it myself, but it's then interesting to balance with, for instance, if I would have, you know, approached this podcast now with that mindset, I don't think we would have had much of a conversation you know it's quite a one-sided uh you know and, and probably unpleasant side of me to have a conversation with uh, there's something there that needs specifically the the stage and the songs and the music has been a very very good tool to get that out uh, I, I don't know where i'm getting heading with this it's just <laughs> a weird um uh, it's a weird thing to try to for me to try to observe from the outside
1: well you did say that you were 16 17 when you when you uh, started getting into the band and i actually had this conversation with my wife last night about stage names did you ever think about a stage name for yourself
0: uh yeah jokingly so for a while i was i wanted to be dynamite power (laughs) plants
1: That's awesome. Was, the, uh,
0: right in the middle of an identity crisis uh, of uh, you know, of huge proportions. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, was, uh, it didn't, never went anywhere. But it was kind of something to uh, – what that meant to us to, that uh, was kind of sometimes helpful to get in the right mood. Dude, dude, dynamite power plants. <laughs> yeah dynamite power plants and then here we go
1: well i can at least uh pronounce dynamite power plants so
0: yeah of course <laughs> stage names should be in english and uh you know because you want to be i don't know it's too glam with it <laughs> or you know the other one is to have strange old norwegian words of course that no one not even a swede knows how to pronounce <laughs>
1: Yeah, my last name, obviously part of the show, Talk To Me, To Me being my last name, T O O M E Y. Uh, we were talking last night, and when I was like 12 listening to Metallica, I was going to spell it To Me, but like T O M B E Y, like a tomb E. <laughs> uh-huh. So that was my. Uh, I talked,
0: but you know, I just realized that I just got the Talk To Me thing. Yeah, see? Thing. I just, uh, because I, up until right now, I only read it. No one has said it out loud in my presence until just now. Yeah, it, it, it's quite. Yeah, it's brilliant. Man. Not, thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice play on words. It's no dynamite yeah. power plant, but uh.
0: Yeah, but what is?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my next show, and you will be like, "Damn it! I should have never told him." <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad to see if that if that name if that would find a home somewhere, because I, I'm sure he'll. So I'm not using it.
1: <laughs> well very good man well i i absolutely uh appreciate this talk i i you know definitely needed it this morning some humor to get out and uh you know we went uh about 45 minutes so i appreciate that
0: oh um i was happy to thank you
1: all right and then uh, like we said guys the new album hunter gatherer out august 7th e1 entertainment uh just uh you know what's uh let's leave this off with the song that's out now um what song would you like to leave off with the, uh, for the podcast? Uh,
0: well, put God of sick dream there. It, it's, it's the latest one we put out, uh, not with a video, but that doesn't hurt the podcast format at all. And it deserves all the love that it gets. If, if you ask me, but I'm biased.
1: Once again, thank you to Johannes for coming on the Talk to Me podcast for taking some time out of his Sunday to come on the show. And now I will play you <laughs> mine and his uh, talk about the pronunciation of his name and how he became Johannes from Avatar to me. Uh, before we get started, go ahead and uh, pronounce your name for me so I don't Americanize and butcher it.
0: <laughs> well, I'm I I Swedishize a lot of American things so. I think yeah, I would respect a fail attempt, but uh, Johannes is basically if you would pronounce it with a Y instead of a J. Okay. In your way of pronouncing things. And Ekerström, good luck.
1: Oh, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, you
0: can you are, that one.
1: You are Johannes from, uh, from Avatar to me. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> All right, you got to love it. You got to love Johannes. Thanks once again for coming on the show. Thank you guys for checking it out each and every week. Make sure to leave a nice five-star rating, nice five-star review. And if, if you've made it this far and you enjoy what I'm doing here, make sure you're checking out my other show, Diablos and Podcastica, with my co-host Ian Wadley, formerly of the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. We have a nice fun show over there called Diablos and Podcastica. Check that out. Leave a nice five-star rating, nice five-star review. Share with your friends. Let them know that you are listening to the Talk To Me Podcast, and so should they. And once again, for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey, and I will talk to you soon.